You're listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Charlie? Yes, Rose? What are we doing in the common room? I thought this was the uncommon room. Well... It's uncommon okay. for us. It's okay. Sure, we've got that in common. We, we do, we do. And and, but when we should probably we... find someone to talk tarot about, though, or else this is gonna really feel like a cheat for our listeners. Let's see. Um, I think. Well, there's there's well there's that. Well, no, not that person. Wait, wait a not minute. The, uh, what? No. Oh wait, wait, wait. Let, let's let's go talk to him. He, I know he yeah. knows things. He does. He knows he things. Does, yes, he knows lots of things. Well, we need someone who knows things on this show. Sometimes no, it feels like no it. Way, be do, one of that's us. true. All right, well let, let's go over and approach him, okay? And and it's not wandless. Got it? A little, there's a lot of Tarot Jameses. Can we talk about that for a second? There is just wall to wall Tarot Jameses at some point. Sometimes, but they are all the Tarot dudes, and it makes sense. Kind of like remember when you know there was a certain year all the kids were named Brittany. But anyway, you're distracting. All right, all right. well let's 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 go see if he's willing to to chat up. Because I know being over here, it's a little weird, you know, in the common room, but not in the common room. But Mr. Wells, hello. Yes. Hi, Mr. Wells. Um, my name is Rose, and this is Charlie, and we'd love to talk to you. Well, about Tara. <coughs> Are you Great. available? Well, let's have a seat together in front of the glorious fire. And yes, I'll order a pot of tea for us from the Cabana staff. Ah, okay. I've heard very good things about the Cabana staff here. They're marvelous. They're marvelous. Well, we have been admiring you from afar. Well, I've not been admiring you from afar, but Charlie has. <laughs> um, because I've been watching uh, how you have kind of taken over the tarot world a little bit um, with the classes that you teach and the your tarot approach. In fact, you were one of the main speakers when I went to my first reader's studio. Ah, yes. Uh, which was that? I've been up on that stage a couple of times. Uh, 2007. Or 2008, maybe. Yeah. That, was that the one I did on questions? Yes. Ah, yes. That was a fun one. Yes, <clears throat> it was. And it was just very exciting to hear a different perspective on making sure everyone was aware. No, really, ask the right questions. Not just ask mm-hmm. questions, but you know, get focused and engage your client. And it was just kind of nice to hear it actually said out loud in big spaces versus in a book. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. Yeah, we can read all about this stuff, but until we put it into practice, why bother? Mm-hmm. So what have you been doing since then? What are the, the, <clears throat> the excitement for you out there that we could share to get everyone to be on the same page? Because I know you come from the wilds of Canada. I do, the wilds of Toronto, Canada. <laughs> uh, what's been exciting? Oh, goodness, uh, so many things. You know, workshops and classes and gatherings and circles and so forth. And... Uh, uh, I do have this what I course that I really love to offer coming up called Tarot Counseling for Self and Others. Oh, how exciting. And what is it that, that people who are interested in that would find? How would they find it, first off? And second off, what is it that... Because that, I, I read through it and went, well, what if I'm frivolous? No, I'm not what frivolous. frivolous. <laughs> well, we all have a frivolous side. There's nothing wrong with a little fun. Uh, otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here in the common room. But uh, what would what would you find interesting about it? Um, what would anyone find interesting about it? Well, first of all, I think people would need to know that it's based in some of the the 
rooted in some of the basic tenets of of what I try to practice uh, in tarot and in some ways in life. Um, I've got a, a series of, of, of um, points that people can find on my blog, jameswells.wordpress.com, uh, that I call the basic tenets of evolutionary tarot. I call what I do evolutionary tarot because it really is meant to help each of us uh, grow, evolve, and thrive as individuals, and then we contribute that uh, personal evolution to the evolution of our household, of our community, etc. And if enough households, communities, etc., grow into more of who they really are, perhaps we can grow a culture of of people. Um, we might be able even to grow an entire species of uh, that gives back to life. Mm. You know, yeah, mm. that gives to the evolution of life. How exciting. And so while we're taking this course, what would we be expected to bring to the table before we walk in the door? Before you walk in the door. uh, Well, hopefully someone would have some tarot experience. You know, they would at least be able to tell the Empress from the Three of Swords. Um, That's kind of important. They both have a heart, though. They do both have a heart. They both have a heart. That's true. Uh, I guess if you're using Waite Smith imagery, yes, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't my first deck. My first deck when I was 12 years old was the 1JJ Swiss deck, more of a, a non-scenic pips kind of deck. So, you know, uh, RWS isn't my first reference, although I do like it. It is a lovely deck. Anyway, um, so the people, when they come in the door, they're going to need to know a little bit about the tarot already. This is not a, a course on learning card meanings. Mm-hmm. That's what I'll say say right from the start, what it's not. It's not a course about this card means that or um, you know, the structure of the deck is like this or whatever. That That's not what this is about. That's a whole other course that I teach. But So they're going to need to know that. They're going to need to bring through the door... Um, a willingness to be in a certain way. This is really a course about how to be in a certain way and how to create containers and structures and processes uh, that that take ourselves and or other people uh, deeply into their own knowing with a capital K. Hmm. And so it's really about Uh, a willingness to suspend the idea of being a reader of cards and really becoming more of a companion to whomever one is sitting with. Oh, okay. Whether whether they're going to be on the phone or on Skype or in person with, with, you know, their reedy, their client, their Mm -hmm. friend, their acquirent, whatever you want to call it. Um, It really is about setting up conditions that invite... um, whatever you want to call it, that part of you that knows you best, the inner teacher, whatever you want to call that, to come forth and say something about whatever is in your heart and on your mind. Oh, wow. So basically this is this is one of those that – this is more for the advanced reader, clearly. Um, uh, and intermediate to advanced, I would okay. say. Yeah. And, and, and getting people more engaged in not just, oh, this card means this and you're going to go here. It's, it's more of an in-depth look perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now I'm going to make you go backwards because while that's really exciting, you said something <laughs> that made me go, wait, 12? 12 years old? When did you start reading? Uh, I was 12 years old. Uh, <laughs> yes. But what, I was, how did you discover cards then? Just because uh, I'm just curious. Okay, sure. Uh, well, 
Ever since I was a kid, I've been interested in what makes people and the world tick or potentially tick. And um, so I was read to as a, as a young child from, you know, from birth, basically. And so I was already reading books by age three. Mm -hmm. And so um, was already reading things like mythology and religious stories and uh, things about magic and what might make things tick or what might make things work or not work and how else might we make them work. Um, and so when I was tw uh, eh, 11, 12, I was reading this wonderful book uh, called Let ESP Work For You. And it was by a woman named Patsy Ruth Welding who lived in Las Vegas at the time. I'm not even sure she's still alive now. Mm -hmm. um, and the book came out in the mid-70s, and, uh, and there were just a handful of pages, about mm, two-thirds, three-quarters of the way through the book, about the tarot. And I just loved the way she talked about them and how unmysterious she made it, and yet deliciously attractive that she made it as, as one means of tapping into your inner knowing. And I got curious. I had seen a couple of decks before, but hadn't really thought much about it. But just that description just pinged inside me. And so I took my you know lawn cutting money and my paper delivery money and saved up a little bit, took the bus to the games store that was not far from where I lived at the time. And uh, bought my first pack of cards, the one JJ Swiss deck, which is sitting on the table beside me, along with another one <laughs> right and, now. And and what what made you connect with that deck versus any other? Or was it just what was available? Because I know that's sometimes <laughs> the case. Yeah, it, that's what was available. That's what was in the store. It's <laughs> funny. Uh, my my first deck came from a game store as well. I don't know uh, that every modern people modern people. I don't know. I don't know that new readers now would know that uh, gaming stores were one of the places you could find tarot decks way yeah. back when, more than bookstores. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, at 12 years old, you weren't allowed to go into a head shop in the 70s. So <laughs> That's true. So pro probably a gaming store was our best bet, right, Charlie? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. I'm the 80s. <laughs> Good. And then I <laughs> practiced with myself and and cousins and friends. And, and when I got into high school, some of my high school teachers asked for uh, readings after school. And so I'd take the cards on the day we agreed on, and I would sit and work with, work with them over the cards. You know, obviously not as in sophisticated a way, but they still seemed to enjoy it and get something out of it, and I got some good practice. And, and then when I was 18, um, I came across Gail Fairfield's first book, uh, Choice-Centered Tarot, and that just opened my world. You know, it wasn't just about cards. It was about a whole way of living by choice. And... That has really influenced me to this day, and uh, I'm obviously no longer 12. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, but I still, I still try to live by this idea of, of choice. And and part of my work, a lot of my work with the tarot, and a lot of the thrust of this course that uh, you want me to talk about is is about helping us um, remember our choices. And sometimes choices aren't yippee yahoo. Sometimes they're just less worse. But <laughs> but the point is to to help us see our choices in this moment and and where each of those choices could lead us according to our own um, natural inclinations and how we might make cleaner choices based on pros and cons, etc. Um, about who we can be and about 
what we might do with that personhood, how we might donate it back to the world and, and to our own lives in a, in a health-giving kind of way. You know, and I was inspired a lot by wonderful people like Gail. Um, you know, I've had sessions with her and, and interacted with her and read her stuff. Mary Greer, same sort of thing. Uh, Jim Wanless, the other JW of tarot, as we call each other sometimes. Um, Rachel Pollock, uh, the late Angie Arian. Uh, who was the anthropologist and tarot consultant, and mm -hmm. you know all their writings, their their lectures, my interactions um, with with people like that, um, as well as um, what they taught me, uh, gave me a lot of my own aha moments. Mm -hmm. And I, I I really thrive in the aha moment, or I thrive in the atmosphere when the aha moment is possible. And so this course is about setting up conditions for the aha moment. Can you give us an example of what an aha moment might be? <clears throat> Just mm -hmm. a, a simple basic one. Sure. Because again, uh, you know, some people may not recognize that moment for themselves. Because, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, we always kind of go, oh, magic, whatever. Oh, that can't be. That's just coincidence. So what <laughs> would you say, you know, just would be a way to say, no, this is not just coincidence. This is an aha moment. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Let me run through my mental case book here. All right. Let me give you two. One of them is, is a story I'll tell on myself. And then one will be about um, a client without getting into the particulars of, of her topic, because that's okay. obviously confidential. Okay, for myself, <clears throat> uh, many years ago I was going through several weeks, maybe even a couple of months or more, of just this inexplicable anger. Just things would make me flare up for whatever reason. And I, I became aware that it was connected mostly with work-related stuff. You know, I was uh, working as a music director somewhere as well as being um, a tarot consultant uh, so I was sort of balancing both of those, and I was just really aware that in both of those, I was having a lot of angry moments, and I'm thinking, what, what's this anger about? I thought, I'm, I'm turning into a real you-know-what. So I got out a deck of cards, and I did this. This is two-card layout I do called the uh, two-card focus. It's based on something I, I read in, in Choice Center Tarot eons ago, and um it's a major for the what and a minor for the how. And so I pulled a pair and there was something that came up that indicated, oh, there's something about the, I don't know, the five-year-old in you or the four-year-old in you is really pissed right now. And okay. And and it's got something to do with um, left-outedness or something like that. I forget. The, this is many years ago, so I need, need to don't remember all the details. So that led me to pull another pair of cards for, well, what... Uh, rooted in what and you know that told me something else and then I pulled another pair for well, what does that what's that rooted in etc mm -hmm. and finally I got to this pair of cards that and the whole assembly of cards on the table there might have been about eight or ten cards um, just suddenly came together the whole array of cards just was kind of like this mandala or whole picture of of the situation and I leapt out of my chair and I went uh I want to be rescued by my father. Oh. And I went, you know, and that's, that's kind of the aha moment. It's like this thing that you weren't expecting or the thing you already knew that you, that you didn't know was key to whatever it is you're looking at. Suddenly, it's like um, the sensation in my own body is like, uh, it's like I'm a padlock 
and the final uh, tumbler has just fallen into place, and something just goes click, and the lock flies open. And that's the sensation in my body and in my psyche. And that's the, in that moment when I thought, I want to be rescued by my father. You know, I, do, I, didn't, I don't want to be successful at this because I want my father just to come and bail me out. And I'm going, you're kidding me. <laughs> so, so uh, and, and, But it hit true because that tumbler falling into place sensation mm-hmm. tells me that it is so in myself. Mm-hmm. And so I was able then to work on that issue and just sort of say, all right, how can I be, how can I father myself? How mm-hmm. can I be my own, quote, rescuer, end quote, uh, et cetera, without getting into victim mode, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And that really reshaped me and it reshaped my work and it brought the joy back into my work. So that's from myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, briefly, uh, one client session that stands out happened several years ago in which she came to explore, I think I can say this because it's pretty generic, she came to explore options for universities to attend. Mm-hmm. And as we got into the session, it became clear that you know, all, these ch- all this child imagery kept coming up for uh, as we talked about the cards. And uh, so I said, it seems that something about um, your younger self wants to come through and and inform you about something here does that feel authentic to you and she says yeah she says i'm getting that sense too so we did another layout that i had designed around that time called the inner child layout and i won't get into all that but the cards we laid out were were relevant to her she ended up bursting into tears three times uh bursting out laughing two or three times and then she had this real epiphany and she you could just see her whole body language change it's all in the body real insight isn't about up in the head it's about what happens in the body it's a physical sensation and and you could see her posture became more erect and more present and her eyes lit up after she dabbed them dry and and she said to me at the end, after we had talked about all this, you know what? In the 10 years I have been with the therapist I have been with, this has not come up at all. Oh, goodness. All. She says, and this is key to how I make my choices. She says, wow. I realize it now that, that me selecting universities, it, it isn't about that. It's, I, I should have, what I should have brought to the table is, you know, why do I feel incapable of making competent choices? Mm-hmm. And she says, now I know. And oh, she says, and it hasn't oh. come up in 10 years of therapy. And she, and she called me two weeks later to say she'd fired her therapist. But anyway, <laughs> which wasn't the point of, of the exercise. That, no, but. it wasn't. But sometimes <laughs> that happens. It's when you realize that, that there's more of a connection outside of that. Because we yeah. all get stuck in, well, it has yeah. to look this way. But yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. And, and I want to put something on to that little caveat here is, mm-hmm. is, you know, this is the tarot counseling process. The client, her or himself, needs to prescribe what she or he needs best. And that's okay. part of so you're the... you're saying uh, we can't hand out Lexapro is what you're saying? Unfortunately, no, no. Oh. <laughs> as tempting as it may be sometimes, as tempting as it may be. Uh, you know, part of the tarot counseling process, evolutionary tarot process, is helping people come up with their own self-prescriptions, as it were. Uh, not medication, necessarily, but um, but certainly uh, one of the things that I teach in the course, uh, week six, I think it is, is called Become the Change mm-hmm. uh, of the course. And the Become the Change week of the course 
is about embodying the tarot session, about living it, ritualizing it, so that it's not just head stuff, it's not just talky stuff. So we actually do something at the end of a session. I would say with about 90 to 95% of the people who come to me or consult me because it's not always in person, uh, we go through a little, I spend a few minutes at the end uh, taking them through an experience that allows them to come up with three doable concrete actions out in the real world. And and week six of the course, I, I teach others about how they can facilitate such a, a procedure as well. So basically you're enabling the uh, course attendees to then take this into their own practices and into their own lives to create similar situations and helping others. Correct. Yeah. And helping others to help themselves, you know, which mm-hmm. sounds cliche, but it's really what this is about. It's It really is about... Um, uh, putting power back in in the hands where of of the people where it belongs, you know, which is the people who come to us, even if that's ourselves. Um, it's not giving agency to a pack of cards. It's not giving agency to some external reader or other external force. It's um, a way of placing the power of the choice back into a person's hands, back into their own hands, so they can take some responsibility. And that's lots of some people need. Some people just aren't used to taking that responsibility. And we can all shirk it. You know, I'm not saying I've got this life thing perfected myself. All I'm saying is that uh, the stuff that I do with the cards and that I like to teach people to do with the cards really does put that responsibility back uh, into our own our own psyches and hands and bodies and lives. Because I think a lot of people out there think that tarot, you know. Someone, they're afraid that for tarot readers because they think tarot readers are people who believe that you know they're going to pull this card and then their life is over, <laughs> or or that we're like a cargo cult or something like that. So never know. I think that's important. I think that is. now earlier you were talking about an inner teacher or an inner was it an inner tarot teacher or it's in like you're the inner guide. Yeah, the inner guide, the inner teacher, or the part of you that knows you best, whatever you want to call that. And I know that the class itself will be about how to bring that person or that that entity forth. Can you talk a little bit about that 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 idea, though. I think that's a very very tantalizing idea. Sure. Of the inner guide. Yeah, I, I I just feel that, and my experience in myself at least has been um, that. There is a part of me that that knows me better than my conscious self. You know, you might call it the unconscious. You might call it the self with a capital S, whatever you want to call it, depending on your your school of thought. And it's plugged into everything else. You know, we talk about interconnectedness, interrelatedness, and whether that's through um, physics or whether that's through spirituality or whether that's through the 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 plain fact that you know my body is attached to this chair as I speak with you and this chair is attached to this floor and this floor is attached to the air around us which is attached to the tree outside my window etc etc there's an interconnectedness um, with all of life and I think that what I do and what many do I'm not the only one Uh, with the tarot or with astrology or with crone stones or whatever your tool is it's less about the tool and more about the procedure and and the space the field you create 
it's an invitational field. It's a, it's it's like sitting. It's like setting up a little um, parlor. Might be a little lighthearted for it, but it's it's, a, it's a, more like a council circle. I mean, I'm also trained in uh, the circle way, which used to be called peer spirit circle process, and and that is a conversational methodology that is all about attentive listening, and it's about intentional speaking. And it's about contributing to the well-being of the gathering. And and the tarot counseling process is certainly about attentive listening and intentional speaking. And it is about contributing to the well-being of the session. And it is about contributing to the well-being of the person who is consulting us, even if that's ourself. And so we live in fast-paced times, need I say that. We don't take the time to sit and listen. It's always about, I need to say my piece. I need to talk. I need to be heard. And we don't often sit quietly and just shut up and listen. And so the tarot encounter, as, as I like to work with it, practice it, is an opportunity to slow down, to slow down, to slow down, to listen. Because the soul, the inner self, the inner teacher, the inner guide, whatever you want to call it, is a, is a bit like a wild animal in the woods. If you go crashing through the woods hoping to see this beautiful animal, you're not going to see it. It's going to hide behind a tree or it's going to scurry into its burrow because you're, you're crashing through the woods making a hell of a noise. If you take your time walking through the woods, if you respectfully approach the habitation of this beautiful animal, whatever it is, you stand a greater chance of at least seeing it, of at least, of, of at least noticing it poking its nose and its eyes out of the burrow, of it possibly coming down to the bottom of the tree or poking its head or tail around the side of the tree. And if you're even more respectful and quiet and still, it might actually start to come toward you and be curious about you, etc., etc. I think this way of working with the tarot that I'm offering in this course is a lot like the slowing down in the woods. And the soul or the inner guide or whatever you want to call that is the wild animal, mm. the beautiful animal that is connected with its primal nature. And if we slow down and approach it respectfully and approach its territory respectfully, it will show up. And so that's what this is about. And it's setting up those kind of conditions. And then the cards just add that element of surprise to it. It, mm. it was like my, my encounter with the cards many years ago when I had the aha moment about, oh, my mm -hmm. dad wants to, re I want my dad to rescue me. You know, if I had just blundered about still raging about my work and everything, I would never have gotten to that point. But I took, I set aside a good couple of hours to just be with the images and to be curious. So this is also a course about being curious. Mm -hmm. It also sounds like about being open to the possibilities as well. Mm -hmm. And and you, listening to your inner voice as well as, as the outer influences around you. 
Very much, very much. And I think the, the tarot imagery and the questions we bring to it, you know, as, as Rose knows, I'm a, I'm a big questions fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, questions create consciousness as, um, as uh, the late you Streffen Kaplan-Williams. Well, I would say <laughs> that. The late, the late Streffen Kaplan-Williams, who did a lot of uh, Jungian oh. dream work, used to talk about uh, you know, questions um, creating consciousness. But uh, that's another story. <laughs> Excellent. It sounds like a very, a very cool um, practice. And with if people can access that inner teacher, it's going to be. Sometimes you go you go to a workshop or a class or something, and you learn. Some, you know, it's interesting while you're doing it. And maybe you'll take something out of it. But it sounds like if people go through your program, they'll have awakened sort of this inner teacher that they can continue to have conversations with and continue to explore, you know, long beyond the class sessions. Yeah, it's really meant to be uh, to become a life tool. Um, and and, and the, the title of the course is uh, Tarot Counseling for Self and Others. So even if you aren't a professional tarot practitioner, um, if, if your practice is that you do it as your, your form of yoga, so to speak, um, for your own growth and well-being, um, it will serve you. If, if you do it for your friends and family, it will serve you. If you do this on a professional for-pay basis, it will serve you and those who come to you. Very much. Yeah. I want to touch something you mentioned earlier, Charlie. You said something about, you know, people have this belief about the cards or the reader. And and the very first tenet of uh, my nine tenets of evolutionary tarot is the tarot is not a belief system. It is simply a tool. Mm. You know, it's not an ism. It's it's not a holy book in, in the way that some groups think about a holy book. It, it's a It's a tool. Um, you know, I don't believe in my stove. I use it to cook dinner. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in my laptop. I use it to communicate with you and Rose, for instance. You know, I don't believe in a hammer. I use it to stick the nail into the bed I'm fixing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny because when you mentioned that it's not a holy book, I thought, yeah, you know, it, it's a good thing because I don't. I can't imagine, you know, if you do have like, if the Holy Bible is your Holy Book, that you can have the like, the Holy Bible of Celtic cats or uh, exactly. the Vampire Holy Bible that we have with our tarot decks, and how seriously and not seriously we get to take them, right? So that yeah, yeah. So that visual, said, you know, that said, um, we can certainly use the structure of the deck as, as kind of a book of wisdom for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can use the concepts of however we understand the trump cards to uh, as ways for living as universal lessons as universal concepts uh, to be aware of and and in some cases live by um, so you know in that sense it could be a quote holy book end quote um, but not in the way that I don't want it to become a fundamentalist anything you know I don't want it to become one of the ism brothers mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense and I think uh, tarot historians or tarot history has been useful in that now we know for certain you know where certain things came from that it's not a received mm-hmm. you know document handed down by the god Thoth you know yeah. to mankind you know like completely finished we know now like okay well actually the suits were this until this date and then the German decks did this you know and you can mm-hmm. and that, that's helpful because we can take it a little bit less 
less, uh, not less seriously, but less gravely. Yeah, less, yeah, I hear um, you. It's also less, and, and less mm-hmm. confined. It gives us more ability to be more open to see mm-hmm. other possibilities, I think. And, yeah, and, and have I'm other sure. interpretations. It's not just one, this is the way. Yeah, yeah, not one holy apostolic tarot. But, uh, you know, and if that works for some people, that's great too. Um, but I think the value of history is just as uh, kind of knowing what it's not and knowing where it did not come from. You know, it didn't come from the planet Zeton. It didn't come from Atlantis or whatever. It came from 15th century Italy, at least in card form. You know, I always say the concepts are as old as humanity. You know, mm-hmm. love, hate, joy, sorrow, um, mother, father, etc. Those are universal and they've been around as long as we've been around and who knows, maybe longer. Um, but it, in card form, it's a 15th century invention. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now, just to get to the nuts and bolts for people who are interested in taking your class, can you tell people if someone is listening to this and if they're listening to us, it's about to start very soon. Very uh, soon. Yes. So um, what should people do? Uh, and also, uh, well, begin with begin there, and I have another question for you. All right. So uh, what people can do to uh, find out more about the Tarot Counseling for Self and Others course, which begins September 30th, 2016, by the way, <clears throat> runs for eight weeks to November 23rd, um, they can contact me by email. And my email is circleways.james at gmail.com. That's the word circle and the word ways, plural of way, uh, put together, circleways.james at gmail.com. And then I have a a PDF file that um, has all the information on it, uh, including the course outline. You know, this week is about this, this week is about that. It's got the price on it. It's got uh, why take this uh, course on it. Uh, Etc. And will this is there any is the course available only for the eight weeks that it's being taken, or people can people is it being recorded? You know, for people to listen to later, or it's being recorded for those who take the course only, because a lot of personal material comes up, mm-hmm. and uh, when a group like this forms, we share very personal things. People start to bond. People start to share very profound things about themselves and what they're discovering about the tarot and each other and about the process uh, that is not for public consumption. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yes, every call uh, we have is recorded. We'll have eight calls, one per week. Um, and each one is recorded in case anybody misses it or if they live in a time zone where it's more convenient for them just to listen to the call and the interaction, that's good. Uh, people get a PDF handout sent to them the Friday before. Uh, every Wednesday uh, at 8 o'clock Eastern time, which is the time I'm in, there'll be the live call. I'll send the recording out to everybody. There will also be a secret Facebook group set up for discussion in between calls. Um, so people get to interact, ask questions, share insights as as the week unfolds. They also are paired up with a study buddy, a study partner, so uh, they can arrange times to Skype or phone, or if they live close enough, even visit with each other to practice uh, the the activities, to discuss the the materials, etc. So the whole variety of ways that people can take this take part in this course. They can do all of those components, they can do some of those components, and they will get something out of it. 
Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I hope cool. that. And uh, for those who want to know the, the price for it, it's $340 Canadian. Cool. Thank you. That, in, that includes the handouts, the calls, the recordings, the set, being set up with your study buddy. Uh, and people have an opportunity to send one email per week to me if they choose uh, with a question. Um, I, I, I give each person uh, the opportunity for one email per week if they choose to use that. So to get a personal bit of feedback from me. Excellent. All right. Sounds like a really cool opportunity. And I, I like what you mentioned about uh, groups forming. I feel like any class that meets like this, there, there tends to be kind of like an, an egregor that forms, you know, mm-hmm. with the with the with the people in the group. So I agree. Yeah. And and confidentiality is maintained. So whatever, uh, whatever very personal story comes up, if any. Um, in the group context, in the class context, it stays with the group. I have a set of agreements that is drawn that I have drawn up that goes out with the week one handouts, and the the set of agreements is about here's how we will interact with each other in a good way, so that we can really deepen into this work uh, for ourselves and for each other, and on behalf of our world ultimately. Mm-hmm. And that's also why we wear the masks, right? It's why we what? Sorry. We wear, that's we, wear the masks. we wear the masks during the classes. Rose and I got masks. <laughs> yeah, we, if we, you want, we, you can wear anything you like. <laughs> Rose, that also means you Rose. could also not wear that thing. You could wear the wait, yeah. Rose, we, yes. We needed. You said we needed masks. Yep. Shh. Okay. All right. Fine. I guess I can use it later. <laughs> you can use it. During you can the use class it anytime well. you like. See, there you go. Well, thank you, James, for letting us take some time in your morning, well, our morning, your your afternoon, and uh, right. getting to know more about the class and checking in and seeing what was going on in the world of, of James Wells and chatting up Tara with us. Well, I'm, I'm so glad you approached my chair here in the common room. Thank you, Rose. Thank you, Charlie. Great to sit with you. And I hope you enjoyed the tea. Indeed. It was oh. very lovely. Thank you. Well, thank you again. Thank you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, please find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions.